0: Right, hit me.
1: Hit me with a sandboy chip. Hit me slowly. Hit me quick.
0: Hit me. That's hit a, me. that's the song I never thought I'd hear again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to hit you with Tyson Witham today. I met him on my radio journey that has led me nowhere, but he
0: <laughs> it led you to Tyson. It's
1: led me to Tyson, but it has led me not nearly as far down the rabbit Warren as he has. I'm excited to hear his his story today.
0: Yeah, I'm just excited to have someone in here that I know I can throw out weird nostalgic music references about the local area. And I'm going to get a thumbs up because <laughs> I, I remember him. And one thing that is funny is he doesn't look any older than he did 10 years ago. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's unsettling like that. I'm keen, to, I'm keen to talk to him though. Um, I'm sort of... I've known him for a little while and I think I've said to you I never quite know how to take him. I don't know if we get along or not get along because I think we're just (laughs) like toe (laughs) toe to toe. But uh, yeah, I want to hear his story because he's an interesting dude and he's super smart and I want people to know that.
0: Well, I'm excited. But now knowing that I get to see if you still (laughs) actually get along, I'm even more excited.
1: All right. Well, let's just bring him in, shall we?
0: Tyson Witham. That's it. Excellent. With him? With (laughs) With him?
1: him. (laughs) We're going to be with him for the next hour or so. So this is for anyone that's listening, Maddie Rendell. <gasps>
2: You're not supposed to say his name. Yeah, I'm gonna say
1: his name. He'll love it now. He really? reckons he's going to be mayor of Wodonga or something? Oh, it God
2: seems knows. pretty easy. I mean, I'm in, next in line being a radio guy.
1: That's it. That's how, that's you, do how you do it. Get hey? the
2: <laughs> Current Wodonga mayor. That's, that's your Kev. goal, is it, Tyson? Yeah, um, that's well. I was actually thinking about before I knew Kev was running for Wodonga mayor. I thought if I run, what are the obligations I need to go through to be in the running, just on the ballot paper considered. And if they just said, you know, like had a box and it said my name and then it had what were my policies and I just said, eh, like wrote the word eh or meh, would, what would if people give me a vote? Like, I think
0: people I think you'd would... get
2: plenty in West Wodonga. <laughs> hey, I'm from West Wodonga. <laughs> <laughs> they like that kind of speech. Uh, but, yeah, I was curious about do you need, what credentials do you need to run? Because there was like how many people run for Wodonga Mayor? It's like 16 or something you had to tick off the
1: to be honest, I all I think that you actually need to do is just nominate yourself. Okay, put well yourself that's what on I was, the thing. am doing
2: on, it next year. Yeah,
1: on a ballot.
2: I don't want to win though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then people, it might end up as people start voting, like do the donkey vote on you, and then you end up as mayor of Wodonga.
2: Is that what happened to? I'll care? give
1: you a parade. No, I think uh, Kev actually probably wanted He, he to did want it. it, I know. I
2: think he might have wanted Aubrey more just from gathering because he was like, oh, if I don't get Wodonga, I'll get Aubrey. And I was like, oh, okay. So you could just flip, flip-flop like that? Oh, if you've got um <laughs> whatever, because, you know, if he has pays rates in Wodonga, then you're okay or something. There was a big problem with that. A lot of people had issues that he didn't live in Wodonga and he's Wodonga mayor. Right. Which I don't care. We're supposed to be one community, aren't we?
1: That's that's the theme that everyone's been trying to draw us all together with this year. One, one community.
2: We're split by our premieres, but, you know. They're doing their best to split us apart. It's funny about that. They Gladys and Dan Andrews, like I did a video two weeks before, like a social media video on our radio station platform. It was supposed to be like a funny, oh, we're not going to lock down the border, but so I'm going to do it. And then I dressed as a police officer <laughs> and ran across the bridge and policed the border and try to stop cars, but they were constantly coming and that was a joke that I couldn't do it. It's like impossible. It's too hard.
1: I... S- <laughs> I actually saw that video. Mm. And then two weeks later,
2: the border closed. <laughs> and I went, oh, do I take that video down now? Because so it was supposed to be a joke. And just for people listening, was this the first closure? This, this was the first closure, like, almost a year ago, March um, 2020. Is that how long ago it was? I think it was March. When did, no, the border closure was probably July, actually. COVID probably happened around March. Yeah, mid-March, I think. When it, well, it happened in the sense. We had Tom Hanks got it, and then it was real. <laughs>
0: That
1: is true. No was, one yeah. thought it was a thing until... It was like, oh,
2: yeah, whatever. And then it was Tom Hanks got it in Australia and we are all like, oh, no. <laughs> Forrest Gump picks it up and then people start believing it. Yeah, That's yeah great. exactly. And there was constant Wilson jokes about, oh, Wilson. Like, yeah, oh, like And then it was like, hold on, this isn't a joke anymore. Oh, no. Oh, no. My oh, favorite. Wow.
0: My favourite band is the band Tool. Yes, great. And Maynard said six months after getting back to the US that he feels like he probably nearly 100% definitely had COVID when he was in Auckland for their tour. Oh. So, that so he'd been in front of obviously a long way away on the stage, but, yeah. but hundreds of crew, other band members, people on planes, all this stuff. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was probably COVID.
2: He kind of keeps away from that staged, doesn't he? So he might have kept away from enough people that it was okay. I think so, because he does isolate himself. <laughs> he sits that's right at the back. He's right, right up on a platform. A singer, <laughs> for a singer, he stays away from everyone. So, yeah, he wouldn't pass on have to anyone. To it to was a was better fun. singer. Yeah, well, he is amazing. I really enjoy some of his stuff in with Deftones and stuff as well. I mean, that's new metal stuff, I tell you, that's kind of how I met Josh in a way.
1: This is what uh, I'm just piecing together. You guys are muso.
2: A bit of new metal back in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, I reckon uh, really uh, defined me as a person for a little while. <laughs> in a good way? I don't know. Whatever way you want I to take that. I don't think new
0: metal defined anyone no, in a good way. <laughs> no,
2: no, no, I mean, it's like uh, metal music with rapping uh, some, uh, some of the time. Like Limp uh, Biscuit is heavy on the more popular side of the new metal thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, then there was... The old sodden's where it went into there, and I think that's where I probably would have run into Josh uh, when he was doing the. You were doing the side room. There was a metal room, and then there was an alternative that was towards the end. Towards the end, yeah. yeah. And I remember going up and asking a few requests of you. Get some Alexis on fire on. That was very much. what We would have been playing I think in that room because I, I remember you playing every. Because I rocked up every week, a bit of a pisshead. That's probably why most people know me on the border actually. And uh, I remember asking you for these. Same Alexis on Fire, like a different Alexis on Fire song, you kept playing the same one every week, which was a good one, but you would play different ones. But while I was going, I was like, oh, you played this one last week, and you're like, I don't remember what I played last week.
0: No, well, (laughs) I was probably also on the juice at the time as well. (laughs) Because I
2: thought I was heavier on the juice and I was being annoying, and I was like, I don't think that guy likes me. So Uh, it's nice that I'm invited in here. (laughs) I did think of all the way back then. So
0: it's funny, that time, like we don't want to probably dwell too much on 15 years ago, but I do remember you were probably a top five performer all time for the Triple J Hottest 100 days. Oh. You you, you put in a pretty solid couple of years (laughs) there. Look (laughs) out. Here Here we go. Andrew Lockery. Yeah. uh, And a couple of other guys were basically 9am to 9pm performers. Yeah, wow. Yeah, which is probably why you don't seem to be able to remember that.
2: (laughs) I'm trying to think how how often I was there for Australia Day. Now I'm, I'm worried like... That you got mixed up with someone? No, you were definitely... <laughs> you probably... I don't remember the day. It sounds more accurate than... I, yeah. yeah. Well, they, they were good days. You could really do what you wanted in that pub, I feel like. Compared to now, you could pretty much do anything you wanted. Oh, you really could. I remember jumping off the bar doing wrestling moves to mates and stuff like that. There's video footage of it. I was doing the big old frog splash.
0: That, that was just standard practice for the
2: mid two thousands. Smashing beers like Stone Cold Steve Austin at the pokies together and hurling them over my head, pouring beer over myself. So you were there though in that group slash that place, mostly because mm. you're a total music lover. Yeah, I guess. I guess music got me there because I remember metal wasn't really. It probably wasn't really my main sort of sense. It's just rock, really. Rock was it. And then my other mates would be more into metal, and then I started following what he was doing, and then I'd go to Metal Night with him and went from there. And then uh, learning bands like Parkway Drive and things like that, it was like, oh, this is cool. This is a cool scene.
0: That's probably why it didn't seem weird at all to me, that you turned up in a black T-shirt.
2: Yeah, well, there you go.
0: Because in my head, and you don't seem to have aged much at all, to be honest. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, you pretty much, in my head, all my memories of you... (laughs) right double parked with a black shirt
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh i was double parked a bit yeah i think he has that's something you
0: can't get away with now no i mean it's probably been a few years since you've been able to have three or four drinks sitting right in front of you and just say are they yours yeah
2: yeah it was always like oh it's easier just to get two and go walk around with two beers
1: you can't actually afford to do that these days. No, because no.
2: the schooner's 12 bucks. Yes. Oh my God. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but, you
1: know. It's showing our age now. Oh. I remember when they put spirits up from $5 to $5.50, and I there was a ruckus. There yeah. was a complete there was a few ruckus. Of those moments? Yeah. Oh. Do you
2: remember you could get, like, down at the old liquid, you get a $5 jug of beer, and me and my mates would get beer with red, which was like raspberry. That's <laughs> the
1: snake yeah. bites. Yeah.
2: And yeah. then you, and then you'd hold a jug of beer and walk around liquid, just sipping out of a jug of beer, and it cost you <laughs> five bucks. Yeah, that was. I think that we all kind of
0: our our group, and by extension, you yeah. guys. I think we cottoned onto the fact that they were serving mid-strength there oh, when it was on the heavy yeah. tapper. So we we turbocharged it with the raspberry because our a dollar a beer, or you could get a jug for five bucks. Yeah, right. And the raspberry just gave you a massive sugar hit <laughs> and compensated for the fact it was mid strength.
2: Yeah, right. I always thought it was just a stupid thing to do. And that's and, why I did well, it. Well, <laughs> the fact that it also tasted awful. Do you remember? It, it didn't taste
0: great. Carlton mid strength was a complete failure.
2: Yeah, oh, I didn't even know. I don't remember about mid strength back then. Yeah, I remember like it, it was a, like 4X was mid strength and that was it. This It's probably
0: mostly, it might have been, you know, false research, but I do yeah. remember, I don't know whether you remember Liam Willoughby, your, the owner's son from sodans he used to be behind the bar a lot.
2: oh i remember lamb yeah
0: yeah crazy lamb he's a nutbag but we went there one night with the basically the mission to figure out how they were serving beer for a dollar <laughs> i was sitting there going, It has to be mid-strength otherwise it's crap it's yeah. either really shit beer or it's mid-strength so
1: Oh, so you put it down to research and recon that you went yeah, like heavily uh,
0: drinking. Yeah. What is
2: research? We're just mean? going to do some Did you research. Stand at the bar and order beer, pretty much for a dollar each. <laughs> Great. And you asked questions, and they yeah. were like, "Shh, don't tell anyone." It was very
1: cheap. There was none of this. Like there was a little bit of pre-drinking, but you could pretty much just do your drinking
2: out. Yeah. Yeah, like I remember going out with 20 bucks and then coming home with 20 bucks. And you go, what, how did I do that? <laughs> like, I don't know what it Probably the pokies, yeah. but. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so, so. You win it all back. But it did feel like that. And getting home didn't cost you most of your night. No. <laughs> like the taxi, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, there were a few nights where I recompt myself at five to five in the morning at the Globe. Yeah. Oh, back in the day, Globe. you just have a little win right at the end, and they're like, Oh, God, I don't want to pay you out, mate. Yeah. We're trying to kick everyone out, and I've got to write you out a payout on a handwritten slip, and it's for $2.50. Oh, <laughs> right.
2: the, the Globe had the two dance floors, which was great. It was like, here's the dancier sort of songs, and here's just a pop music area. And you would just go, oh, I'm tired of the pop. Let's go out the back and just go with the full on strobe light in a. Block room, like one square cube, yeah. and you just go and, and take that in your eyeballs. And it was fun.
1: <laughs> I like the termo. Sorry.
2: I no. turned 18 and the termo burnt down uh, maybe a couple of, like a month later. Oh,
1: maybe it, possibly. Is that a sign?
2: Yeah, that was the second time it burnt down, oh, I think, yeah. actually, because it burnt down twice, didn't it?
1: See, I I feel like the Wodonga one got burnt down. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna say the bikies burnt the Wodonga one down. (gasps) That's what I've I've heard.
2: All right, they're coming for you.
1: Theoretically, it's just an expose today from Mel and the bikies. Which ones? I don't know. Call them out. I
2: don't know their names. I
1: don't know their names. (laughs) Tiny. You know, big
2: Steve, (laughs) the butcher, the butcher. (laughs) You know what he does? Cuts meat. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well.
2: He does the barbecues. The Wodonga
1: one went down and then when the Termo changed hands, so it was run by like a dodgy guy. No, a good family to start with. And it was really good. Like They used to have great live music there and everything. Yeah, yeah. And then changed hands and the guy who took it over in the lease had no idea. Oh, no about
2: anything. I think Diesel played there once. Diesel
1: oh, yeah. played there. Yeah. The Whitlams, like Tim Freeman, the Whitten, play there. I remember. Did they
2: t- blow up the pokies? Turning up to they have work. them there then? They would have. They
1: had pokies.
2: <laughs> yeah. Just Blew them up with a fire.
1: Yeah. And then all of a sudden uh, it just burnt down. <laughs> just burnt yeah. down.
2: Yeah, and everyone would tell me about, oh, I was so good there and I was only 18 for a month. And I was like, I only went once. i really missed out. But I have a feeling it was just a bit of nostalgia of being drunk and it wasn't that great.
0: No, it was right. pretty great. Damn
1: it, <laughs> it, it <laughs> was actually I, great. I
2: don't think, I don't think
0: sodans would have had that period of the music venue. Yeah, because the Turmo had that aesthetic and also an actual proper the rest of the week an enjoyable yeah pub to drink at.
1: So you know how you are saying like the Globe had two dance floors. Yeah, like the Turmo had like an outside bar, an inside area, the night bit, the pokey like it. I
0: just had everything. Were you of the age where the the star used to have massive Sundays? Or had that stopped a little bit by the time you were an adult?
2: Oh, I didn't do too much Sunday sessions, I feel like, but um, I turned 18 in 2004. So right at the end of there.
0: Yeah, so, so that would have been
2: probably when I just started to teeter off a little bit. But also a Wodonga person. So I spent a lot of time going to the birra for happy hour. Oh, geez. And, yes. <laughs> uh Spinning that wheel when free was on there, when that was allowed and wasn't responsible service of alcohol issue. And yep. now I think cheapest is a dollar because I went, went up to 50 cents and everyone was like, boo. Like yeah. and now it's like a dollar and then when the dollar comes up it's like one per customer had, and you're like, that had oh, the most brilliant name, didn't price. it? Was it the beer or beer wheel? It oh, I had
0: like know. that good alliteration. I moment. didn't even know that there some was good I, I do. They used know. to do it at the Termo, and it was messy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it was the, your table full of just beers. Like you couldn't like you squeeze any more in and then they'd come over and go, guys, you have to drink your beers and you're like, you see, so you're just like, like <laughs> Yeah. If
1: you like us like I like us, get onto punchingsideways.com, give us a bit of a likesy, have a bit of an exploration around and maybe buy us a coffee. I was all about it as well. I was a, the heavy drinker.
2: Look, I'll go drink the... it now if you want. <laughs> Are you trying to put it out there? <laughs> no, I don't have any money. I can't. Yeah.
1: That's the thing now. It's, it's, a, it's a definite factor in whether I drink or not is that it's so expensive.
2: Yeah. Mine's sociability. I want to. If there's people, someone like one person wants to go drinking. I go, yeah, yeah, let's go. I want to ch- just talk. You okay, just but beer has to be involved for some reason. It's just there. Yeah. Okay. You know,
1: is that because you don't have enough personality? Oh, to,
2: to I get. think it loosens everyone else up to be on my level of <laughs> looseness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't quote me on that, actually, yeah. never mind. I just I came up to my head then and I don't want that to be no, that's on my gravestone. Sorry, mate, no, no. editing. I don't so, mind, that's fine.
1: So from heavy drinking days, mm. and how did you get to where you are now? Like I know a little bit about this, but yeah. you've just been here for like ever
2: what in Albury Wodonga? Yeah, you mean like, oh, well,
1: it just feels it feels like you've been on the airwaves forever.
2: Oh, that's that's been a long uh, slog. Basically, it, was, it took a while to get where I am, and sometimes you forget that. Um, but it it was constantly just doing what I wanted, drinking wise, and enjoying that with mates, and working out at. Uh, I originally worked at Arnold's. I was I was a checkout. Chick, I guess they say, you know, and I yes. and out the front there for a couple of years. I don't know if that's sexist to so say. Check out. Did you Chick. know Louise Arnold is.
1: personally? Then
2: uh, I knew her a little bit. I don't think if she sees me now, she knows me because she knows my partner a bit better because that's how I met my partner working out at Arnold's. Wow. Making innuendo jokes with the melons and stuff, you know, <laughs> It's inappropriate stuff. But I try to impress her by eating a chili. Yeah. Um, I don't know if she was impressed, but it worked. I'm still with it, so that's good. She's probably like, well, if it survives. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm up for it. I'll have a go. Josh (laughs) Um, has been,
1: we've been trying to figure out some dating tips. So is that you just like sort of jump around and like do something that you think is going to impress them? See,
2: I don't know, because that was obviously 2005 (laughs) and we've had Tinder and things since then. Maybe we're going to have
1: to eat two chilies.
2: i haven't (laughs) to to, yeah, try two chilies. If they can see you go back again, they'll go, actually, you know what? That's commitment. That is commitment. And, <laughs> and I'm looking for commitment. No one's looking for commitment openly, aren't they? No, all right. No. But anyway, yeah, so it was Arnold's and then it was um, out at the Logic Center, of the DC, the Woolworths, big factory out there. Did that for four to five years, I think. And I was just like getting money easy, working minimal days. It was like three 10-hour shifts, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. Then I go drinking uni night, Wednesday, metal night, Thursday, Friday night drinks, Saturday night was like, yeah, well, I guess we'll go out because we... I No, Saturday night was a big one. And then the Friday night was the one where you wouldn't show it if you were going out because you're like, oh, old people go out Friday because they'd be doing the normal working week and finishing their week or whatever. And then you'd rest Sunday and then go back to like Monday. And it was like that for a bit. And then I finally was like, I don't want to do this. Because I was, I was moving up in the world of the Logic Centre, I felt like, because they were putting me on the desk, which I was not doing as many of the physical labour. I was doing all the controlling and the load goes into this truck and all that. And then they were like, hey, do an extra day. And I'm like getting scared going... This c- isn't my career. I'm not doing this. And
1: this cuts into drinking days.
2: No, was a bit, probably a bit of that, <laughs> actually. Yeah, I can't do uni night but, if I'm working. Uh, uh, literally, yeah.
1: that would have been a thing.
2: It was <laughs> a little bit of that. I know that. But um, I definitely was also like, I don't want all this responsibility. It feels like I'm moving into this as a permanent life choice career. And I was like, I don't like it's, I still respect people out there and I enjoy it. And it was good money. And I miss a lot of the conversations out there and stuff like that. But I was like, I don't, I felt like my brain was wasting waste, where especially days where I'd sit on the forklift or something like that. And you just have a machine tell you, go to this number, mm. put this many numbers in this thing, and then go to the next one. And I was like, I remember getting off the forklift one day and I legit, screamed like I was like ah oh! like I just couldn't <laughs> handle it probably hung over I think but yeah. <laughs> I also was like oh, I can't do this like I need to get out and that's what you want
0: is a relentless robot voice in your ears yeah when you uh, hung over
2: and that was well, that was the other thing because if you were on the pick you would have a, a robot in you, you say go to aisle alpha alpha which was dog food uh <laughs> you'd go and you'd be like crap I have to go do dog food like that's the heaviest stuff and did you ever
0: just get confused yeah. you're like oh what the f-? what's what's alpha alpha again yeah it was like
2: that at the start but then you go straight into it it was like there's dog food and there's liquor was really heavy lifting all day and and then uh like you know the produce and the chiller was the thing and yeah so it was a whole yeah there was a four or five years there and then i went oh i'm done with this i'm moving to melbourne and i had no job background so i was like i guess i'm going to melbourne to do forklifting (laughs) and i did that for like a full year in melbourne out at the southwestern suburbs or whatever Southeastern South suburbs. And then I was like, I'm not doing – I keep coming back every weekend to see my girlfriend because she was here. Yeah. And I was working 10-hour shifts five days a week. And then I was driving back and I was doing Arvo, Arvo shifts. So I'd finish at like midnight and then I'd drive to Wodonga. And then I'd be like, get there at 3 in the morning, fall asleep, wake up and have the weekend there, come back. And I was just doing that. And I'm like, what am I doing? So I came back and did a TAFE course for radio. And I thought it was like – I can't remember if it was multimedia – because I did two tape calls. I did one while out of school called Multimedia, and then I did one called Screen and Media. I can't remember which way it was which. And that was here locally. That was here locally. So I did one in 2005 when I got out of school because I thought that's what you do. And I did it very half-assed. I pass, you know, whatever. That's what you think you're supposed to do. And then you didn't really put any effort in, so you didn't really go anywhere. So then when I did it again, when I came back here in 2012, I was like, oh, you've got to actually work and show that you can do stuff and you'll get a job out of it. So then when down at the radio station, they were like, we're looking for a creative writer, someone to write commercials. And they were like, I was the standout in the class because everyone else was me back in 2005 going, Oh, whatever, I'm, I'm passing, I don't care. <laughs> and I was like the guy going, P I've degree. been here before, yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing this again. Yeah. Um, and then I got the job out there writing commercials So and did that for four and a half years while constantly filling in on air wherever I could and wherever they needed someone. And just put my hand up while also doing the community radio station out at 2 AM where you are, Mel. And you, you've been out there too, haven't you, Josh?
0: Yeah, I've been only to that station as a guest. Oh, back okay. when I was playing in bands. Right. we go in and I've guested once on Mel's program yeah. as well, that was yeah. probably 18 months ago or something.
2: Yeah. So I did that for a while and that was just me mucking around with different friends trying to figure out. So that, that to do. all
0: happened post moving back or had you had some mm. interaction with the community station before?
1: Where did the brain no. tweak happen from going, I'm going to be a, a full-time Forky in well, Melbourne. Was, I'm moving no, up was, in
2: the world. I'm going to Melbourne and then I'll have more opportunities. Yeah. And then I didn't take any advantage of any opportunities. I just worked nonstop as a Forky and I went, what am I doing? And I went, I'm going back to study and study was, I'm not going to uni for three years and get a debt and not a guaranteed job I was worried about. So I went, if I do a six-month TAFE course and just go hard at it and see where I can go from there. And that got me into the radio from there. And then once, as soon as I got... I think as soon as I got the gig out at the radio station, someone else in the TAFE um, class named Jackie's he's like, I'm going out to 2RM, do you want to come with me? I want to try and get a show. And I was like, yeah, all right. And I really, because I wouldn't be that outgoing to go in there and go, hey, I want a show. I need someone else to do that for me. And I'll just go, yeah, that's I don't be along. And then that happened. And then I um, did a show with him for a while and he had enough of it after a while and I just did it myself and then brought in different mates every now and then and Went from there and then I just, Then they found out at work that I was doing it out there. They had to listen. They said, yeah, we'll give you a go and do a Saturday shift on the river and all that sort of stuff and then I would do that every now and then and I can't imagine what I sounded like back then. I just would be – I'd talk for like two minutes straight, I reckon, in breaks and no one's told me – someone might have told me but I don't remember anyone telling me, don't talk for that long, Tyson. You don't have
0: to. They don't want to hear you. So were you getting to stretch your legs a bit when you went solo in community radio?
2: Yeah, a little bit, where I was just like, was, they pretty much said, do what you want in a way. Like, I don't remember them being any real direct, except one night when I, I played Bloodhound Gang, yes. um, Fire, Water, Burn. Um, so <laughs> the like, version? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's after 10 o'clock, my show, on Tuesday night. And I just was like, you know, play it. I had someone call up, complain to me. And I said, well, it's after 10 o'clock. I gave a language warning at the start. Like, I think that's the compliance. Like, no, I didn't have, I didn't have proper training in that, but I still was like sorry, like whatever. And then it was like, oh, there was a couple of four letter words in there. And I went, there's a lot of four letter words. It's like this, that, like Zen. I was being a bit of a smarter. <laughs> so, um, she obviously <laughs> didn't like that and reported it to the big boss out at 2 am 2 who listened to the show the next week. And then I uh, played something else that wasn't great. And no, it was a conversation about, uh, apparently eating your own snot could be healthy for you and it was just some article you know these buzzfeed articles and we were talking about that and he rang up and got upset about that to say oh, i've had a few complaints about it. you oh, talking about eating something i'm like what it's it was an article legitimate article and i try to argue that and he was like oh don't do it again i'm like i'm paying to be out here i don't have to be <laughs> so i I kind of gave up a bit after that. I reckon because I was like, oh, this, it's too much of an old person station." I felt
1: it's very much an old person station out there. And
2: I sort of was like, oh, "I might leave it behind in a while." And then I started doing whatever I want. I did a Supercoach Coach show because that into my AFL with a mate, and we went just very niche market that no one really would care about. But I had people say they listen for the music and just for the banter. But we talked so that a was lot also of there weird. as well. That was out there. So well. Supercoach is like fantasy for AFL, fantasy isn't it? AFL, yeah.
0: Which and now is probably.
2: Huge compared to the. It's pretty big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. I felt like it was kind of big then because it was. This would be about twenty, I don't know, fourteen, fifteen. Okay, yeah. So the fantasy thing had definitely filtered down to Australia. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, that's why they had the AFL version, and then now they're doing like Big Bash cricket version and all this stuff. So, Yeah. yeah, we did a show on that because we just wanted to, and then I finally went, "Why am I going here Tuesday night all the time and paying for it when I could just do this online?" And then I just started doing a show with a mate, that same mate, on video in his basement on his, with his pool table as the table and we'd hold a footy and talk footy and do video and I'd edit it and put it out weekly and I did that for like, I don't know, 12 rounds of footy and then he moved to the Netherlands. <laughs> so and I was like, I'm not doing this alone. And no, one, you weren't getting that much interaction. That's the hardest part is doing it for no one in a way where you're like, yeah, I'm doing it for myself because it gave me editing practice. It gave me a lot of different things, but... I'm doing that while also doing my writing ad job while trying to get in there. So it was a bit of a mix of doing a whole heap of things to try and I know, put my fingers in a few pies, is what they say.
1: Do you think that, because I've had this conversation with you, where you become good at things, that you're overlooked for the things that you're actually wanting to go for, or you don't yap enough, because you said that you were writing creatively for a while at SCA. Yeah. And it was almost like they weren't aware that you actually wanted to be on air.
0: Because you, you also did just mention there, Tyson, that you wouldn't have walked into 2REM and asked for a show. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's part of it. And that, that's 100%. Further on from what Mel just it said, is, if that's it part is, of you. because
2: I would go, well, didn't you know that's why I was here? But I wouldn't go like, oh, duh. But I was also <laughs> like, I'm here to try and get into radio. I'm not here to write commercials. Yeah. Like uh, that job would have its ups and downs. Uh Pay was definitely a down, but it was more to do with like, I was like, yeah, I'm out here to get on radio. Did I not tell anyone that? Whoops. Like, I thought I told the right people, but I told them in a way where I wasn't like, can you give me a job? It wasn't until I'd get drunk and go on a work drunk thing that like I'd go, hey, give me a job, <laughs> but in a fun way. Yeah. Um, yeah so it, it was definitely a lot of my own fault where I wouldn't get uh, advancing my career sooner because I'd just be like... Uh, I want someone to discover me. I don't want to go, look at me, look at me, give me the job. I want to be like in the background and someone goes, that guy's all right, give yeah. him a job.
1: Like You're actually working legitimately hard yeah. on all these things. I guess, and, yeah. And, but no one's getting to see it.
2: Because yeah, like uh, as maybe, much
1: yeah. as like we'd like to think maybe on two REM or whatever that we've got a million listeners, you yeah. might have
2: like two or three. Yeah. It's not and like I'd look at the Facebook memories and see those same two or three people commenting on stuff and you'd be like, Well, I'm just talking to friends and you'd look back at it and that if that in that way, not that you were trying to achieve superstardom and everyone would be like, hey, this AFL super coach related show is the best kind of discussion about this thing that, what is it, 300,000 people maybe were playing at the time across Australia. Yeah. And you'd think maybe they would all find you, but I guess it, it didn't really work out that way, but you know.
1: Well, it's definitely not like football where they send out coaches. <laughs> Like to recruit to yeah. different stations. Like, oh, check out that community station. We'll go and do a bit of recon in there. Yeah. It's it's almost like the opposite, isn't it? You've got to sort of a actually of, put yourself.
2: Yeah, I always in felt there's a lot of stepping on necks to get where you want in radio. Where it scares me that I wouldn't want to do that. Where it's like you've got to go to the big boss and say, "Hey, I want this and I want that." And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm
0: sorry. Yeah. So by, I'm not... sorry, as someone who's not in that industry, yeah. by stepping on necks. I mean, do, like, do you mean knowing that you're angling for someone else's job? That yeah. There's no – even if the industry grows from a revenue point of view to a certain degree, the, the number of jobs would not grow commensurately with that in terms of no, you, would, I don't know. someone would have to lose a job for you to yeah. take a job.
2: Yeah, I think so. That's, that's, that's pretty much because you'd have local radio announcers. If you wanted to do – the job here in Albury and you didn't want to go anywhere else, then you definitely have to wait for the next person to go away. They're not going to open up a new job. But over the years they've definitely gone, Hey, you know what? We'll do a workday announcer on this station or we'll do one on this station and there there were doors opening and whatever, but usually it was like someone has to leave before you get that job sort of thing. So you feel like you're next in line sometimes and then there was a lot of someone else just swoops in out of nowhere and they've just been doing a gig down South Australia and they've had all this practice and then they'd swoop in and you'd go, I didn't even know about that person. I thought I was next. And you'd have this sense of entitlement and then you would have to look back on it now and you go, You shouldn't have had that. Like you, you should have known you needed to be working even harder and you needed to be talking to these people and saying, Hey, I'm can I be next in line? But I was really more like, I'm here, I'm in their face, aren't I? Enough? To the side, yeah. <laughs> waving. Yeah, <Hello>. yeah like, <laughs> you know, I'm here, right? But yeah. So there's a bit of that for a while. <laughs>
0: So that was part one of our conversation with Tyson with them. Part two will be out later in the week. You can go to punchingsideways.com to listen to the show, share the show, and to buy us a coffee if you think that we've provided any value whatsoever. We'd really appreciate that. But even just sharing the show with a friend, like some of the guys have been doing up in Wagga recently, and that just means the world to us. So Tyson part two, later in the week. Mel and I are both super excited to share that half of the interview because over time we all got a little bit more relaxed and as you would have heard in there, Mel and Tyson actually did like each other. So, punchingsideways.com, thanks for listening. You guys are great. From me and Mel, laters. This episode was edited by Dead Set Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.